When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined, as usual, down the line by David Elizabeth Hartrick. How's it going, Dave? D- down the line. I mean, it's the internet, isn't it? It's, it's not a line, is it? I, I would say that it is a line. It's like it's literally a cable that comes into my house, and I think the distinction between uh, a fiber optic line and a telephone line is not as big a distinction as you might have in your head. We have got two games to talk about here this afternoon, even though it's quarter past ten in the morning. Uh, Huddersfield Town have lost to Stoke City, and they've beaten Blackpool. We'll start with the Stoke game. Uh, It was a really, really tough game, really tactical game, Dave. What did you make to it? Um, I thought it was quite an enjoyable game. Um, I think plenty will go to Stoke and lose uh, by the looks of that game um, so no real issue with the result in truth um, and I thought Town did okay but Stoke are going to be there or thereabouts and it was it felt like Town's sort of first big test of the season after the Fulham game um, to see where they are and I thought they did alright I mean I sort of came away from it just feeling broadly fine what was your take? Yeah same I think obviously the result always has an impact on on your thinking on the game I think probably a draw would have been fairer um you know I said after the game that that probably the best way to sum it up would be to say that Stoke would be delighted to have got the win and Michael O'Neill said that himself Mm. to be perfectly honest it was I thought both teams were really good defensively which sounds strange to say when you neither side kept a clean sheet and you know it was 2-1 but I thought both sides were at their jobs defensively on the whole. Uh, it was really, really difficult for both sides to get through the midfield and get through the back line of defence in particular. But there were just a couple of moments where each side switched off and those resulted in the goals, really. It was just one of those games. I think concentration is something we've talked about before with town not just this season but especially last season and you know staying switched on and I think that the 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 two Stoke goals unfortunately were the only moments of the game really where town did switch off Stoke had that chance late on as well uh that they blazed over the bar that was maybe the best chance of the game pretty much but um yeah, I, I think it was a game where you, you you wouldn't have come away feeling too downhearted even if you were disappointed in the result. Yeah, uh, and I think it was a uh, like when in your little opening monologue when you said it was a very tactical game, I think I think that sums it up really. It it, it was always going to be which team switched off the most times that won that game and unfortunately it was town. I said to you afterwards I think it's probably 
probably showed where Town are this season, which is I think they're going to beat a lot of teams below them. And I think the sort of teams that are at the real top end, they probably just haven't quite got the quality to, to beat them consistently. But if they play like that and nobody comes away from these games feeling like they did after the Fulham one, I think that's fine. You know, I think I think we have to take that. Well, this is it. I mean, when we spoke to Carlos Gorbran at the start of the season and you know tried to sort of push him for a number in, in terms of points or in terms of league position, either in the short term or sort of over the whole season, he he's always batted it back and said, look, our objective is to be competitive in every game. And I, th- I don't think anyone could argue that Town weren't competitive in that game. Yeah. Um, the the thing that sort of when I sat down to write about it on Saturday night, it was a, a difficult game to analyse. And the thing that I tweeted about this, but the thing that unlocked it for me was looking at where both teams lost possession because between the two sides they only lost possession in their own thirds three times I think it was one for town two for Stoke and you would look at that normally and think oh well they were both you know playing a low block they were both you know trying to um, keep things tight at the back they weren't pressing high but in fact both teams were pressing high you know um, and we'll talk about the pressing I know that's something you've you've observed Dave was how Stoke and Blackpool have pressed compared to the expectation. But, you know, they were trying to force errors out of town. And apart from sort of Dwayne Holmes giving the ball away once, they they didn't really, you know. But at the same time, Carlos Corbran came out after the game and said, you know, we we came into this. And I think this is probably, I mean, a, a big part of the reason why he picked Fraser Campbell, although that was also partly forced on him because Danny Ward had a knock and wasn't able to play. But, you know, why he picked... Campbell and Holmes specifically, um, rather than going for more of an out-and-out winger or perhaps playing Turton at right wing back and putting Sorba Thomas on the wing, um, was because they were trying to press from the front themselves and they just didn't get much joy out of it. Unfortunately, you know, it was it it, it turned into a game that was played in midfield and that. Uh, loss of possession map also tells a story there because there's this huge, huge cluster on sort of the edge of the Stoke third where Town just couldn't get through. I think the lineup, I completely understand why he's fit that lineup. I understand why he's rested Tanani in particular for that game. You know, he's played three times over the international break, having not yet played 90 minutes for Town and not been involved in a lot of pre season. And uh, I understand putting in Dwayne Holmes because if you're playing on the press, he's the, he's the man you want in there on the wing. And I even understand, I know some people have sort of questioned why has he rested Colwell, given that he's been on international duty but hasn't played. But, you know, we're talking about an 18-year-old who's playing his first senior season. He can't play every minute. Um, and I think when you've had two weeks working with Naby Saar, and Carlos also said he wanted to see if they could get, you know, they knew attacking set pieces were going to be big and they thought Saar could, could help them more with that as well. I understand that selection and it is going to have to be something that we get used to, I think, because we've seen that that 11 that started against both Reading and Blackpool can absolutely do the business. They've scored seven and not conceded any with that first 11. Um, but I think if they are going to rotate, they they need to work on getting the the players that do come into the side need to be at the level of, of what I think we would probably now see as their best 11. Yeah, but I also think you've got to pick your battles. And I think that yeah. Stoke away is not going to be the game that defines town season. I think that they've had a brilliant start. And I wrote a piece that is up on the um, Yorkshire Live website this morning about expectations and how rather than sort of trying to put some some 
trying to throw this across the whole season. Just enjoy it for what it is now. Yeah. And the expectations really should still be just a nice, safe cruise to mid-table. And after sort of January, mid-February, no real serious looking over your shoulder down at the relegation places. That that would be absolutely fine this season. Don't get me wrong, it's absolutely great to be sat in fourth. But the likelihood is that, that town may not be in fourth come Christmas Day. So don't sort of... You know, don't set your expectations ridiculously high. And I think going to Stoke, losing 2-1 in a tight game, playing fairly well, resting a couple of players after an international break, I think that's absolutely fine. As I said, I, I just came away from it thinking, yeah, no no real issue with that whatsoever. And I think Town will probably do that again on a few games over the course of the season. Mm. It's They're not the finished article. And we've praised their recruitment, which has been really good. We've praised other aspects of their season to date, which has been really good. But that you, you have to remember they're sort of they're still on a path. This is not the season where they should be putting their foot down and, and going for it. It's they're still in, in a phase of the project rather than being anywhere near the end game. So yeah, a game like that. I I watched it and to be honest, I think I, I tip Stoke to be there or thereabouts. I think they've got a really, really good manager. A really, really good manager who Yeah, he's excellent. Has got them like really highly organised. He's evolved them into sort of a tight passing pressing side. And yeah, plenty are gonna go there and, and lose. Plenty of sides better than town are gonna go there and lose. So you just thought, okay, well what really matters here, what really counts here is what they go and do on Tuesday how they go and bounce back from that because they lost 21 games of football last year and they followed nine of those defeats with another defeat. So I was really sort of interested to see what what the approach would be against Blackpool and how they would bounce back from that and well <laughs> they did. Yeah, they certainly did. I mean, yeah, I think it is worth noting that Stoker, you know, they're 9 months further along working with that manager and he's, you know, he's he's got to where he's got he'd had such a fantastic record with Northern Ireland because he he does his homework mm-hmm. every time we've watched Stoke we've been impressed at, at, at how much how well he gets O'Neill gets his Stoke side to follow through on the instructions that, that he sets them out specific instructions for specific opponents and targeting certain players and so on and I think we saw that again at the weekend. I think on the day, Stoke maybe just had that extra. It wasn't a big difference, but maybe just that extra two percent in in all departments. And which you know, which the, they the should the, compare the wage bill, yeah, Steve. The, compare the wage bills. Exactly. They, they should the, have that bit of quality. Exactly. And the feeling on the Stoke side was they actually weren't at their best. Which I think Town might be one of those sides this season. Much like the promotion season, and that's not to say they're going to get promoted, but I think they're going to play town and going to play an awful lot of games where opponents come away feeling like, oh, we we gave them that game, or we gave, you know, we we went at our best, and and we can't really explain why. And when that becomes similar to Barnsley had it last year as well, when that becomes a pattern, it's something that you're doing well rather than mm. something that that opponents are doing badly. You know, yep. we, we've talked about Town have caught a lot of the their opponents so far on bad days, but I think they are also doing a much better job at, at you know at putting their game plan into action and and targeting you know having certain objectives for certain games and putting them into action. And you can't really say fairer than that to be honest. 
Yeah, so I look at that game for town almost like I look at them playing a, a Bournemouth or someone like that now in that I, I think that town are going to compete but they're likely not going to win the bulk of those games. But right now, right at this moment in time, that's absolutely fine, really. As long as they're competitive. And Carlos Corbran this season has been pretty impressive in certain areas. And that his mantra that they do just want to be competitive, it was quite interesting because I listened to an interview with Rafa Benitez at the weekend um, and they were talking to him about what his season goals were and he doesn't set any season goals whatsoever. He he just takes it from game to game to game and always has done, he says. And I think that's the exact right thing for Carlos Corberan to do as well at the moment. Just take it from game to game because Town are going to have good runs and they're going to have bad runs this season. But... We keep saying it, Steve. Mid-table is the goal, isn't it? And all signs point towards a fairly trouble-free, drama-free season ahead, hopefully. They do, particularly when they can respond as they did uh, against Blackpool. You know, that was... And you look at that scoreline and you think, oh, it must have been an easy game for town. I don't think it was, especially, to be honest. I think Blackpool gave them a game, particularly first half, and... You know, Town were, were struggling again to get through and it was clear they needed to make some some little tweaks here and there to get themselves more opportunities on goal. I think Carlos said after the game they were trying to play on the shoulder of the last defender a little bit and they weren't making full use of the space in between the lines that, that Blackpool had. Cause, and Tom Lees, when we spoke to him, when I spoke to him on the preview show just now, has said as well that um, they were expecting a, a high press from Blackpool. They were expecting Blackpool to be sort of non-stop, keeping them under pressure, whereas, in fact, they actually stood sort of 10 yards off the town back line and let them do their thing at the back and concentrated on getting things done in midfield. So, first half, you, you messaged me saying, you know, they need to, to change something here. But as you wrote in the conclusions, you have to credit Carlos Gorbrand massively mm. because he made those changes and they paid off immediately as the second half kicked off. Yeah, the the first half heat map, everything... Town had gone back into a couple of bad habits, really, and they were going... Everybody was just looking left all the time, hoping that Toffolo, O'Brien or Karoma was going to pull something out the blue. And Blackpool were comfortable because they just pulled an extra midfielder over to that side. And Town, I wouldn't say they struggled in that first half, but it was eerily reminiscent of so many games that had gone before to see them have 70% possession <laughs> but Blackpool create more chances have three more corners have more shots on goal and yeah so many times last season me and you thought that the bench was far too passive at town you could see what the issues were but they wouldn't make the bold decisions to change the patterns and change the shape and the changes were relatively simple which was basically look to the right because there's a load of space there and obviously you've got Sorba Thomas who's been the player of the season today over there switch things over to that side and just change the shape a little bit because they Blackpool's press was to sort of stand off the defenders and then basically win the second ball. Um, you know, 
it, it doesn't sound like rocket science, but the fact that they identified it, and as you said, it gets immediate results, um, and then another immediate result as well, I'd argue, because the Thomas shot from that side uh, wins the corner that Matty Pearson scores. That's Those are things we haven't seen before, that level of sort of immediate reaction. So it was it was encouraging. It was very encouraging on a lot of levels, really. And I think that, that first goal was... I, Sonani gets a little bit of luck with a run and then switches it inside to O'Brien who lays it off to Karoma. But that finish, the more I see it, the more I like it, to be honest. Because my first instinct was the goalkeeper hadn't done brilliantly. But you watch it and the, it's just the whip he gets on it. It's it, He starts it outside the post and brings it back in and it's just a... It's just a brilliant Josh Caroma finish, isn't it? Yeah, those are the positions where you you back him to to get goals from, isn't it? And um, it's funny after the game, I'd, I'd been on Ready Leeds on Monday night and said, "Oh, you need to get more out of um, Toffolo, O'Brien, and Caroma." And it's not that they've played badly; it's just that we've not seen them at their best yet. And uh, some fans on the way out the stadium gave me a bit of stick, saying, "Oh, you need Caroma at your bestie." It's like, yeah, well, he's done it today. To be fair, um, he was really influential player um in that second half that 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 flurry that they had at the start of the second half obviously he was a massive massive part in creating the goal for Jonathan Hogg as well and it 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 just goes to show you know if you keep trying the same thing and you you keep trying to sort of force the issue up one side it's almost the wrong thing to do sometimes you know you need to you need to sort of let your attacking movement breathe a little bit mm. so that when you do switch it over there or when as he did for the first goal when Karoma sort of comes across to that side himself it takes the opposition by surprise it makes you a lot less predictable and this is something again we've talked about repeatedly is is town making themselves less predictable and i think with with sonani in the side in particular they have a bit more of that element to them now you know it was it was a performance where you look at probably 10 of the the starting 11 and say they had a good game and they have the capability now to to cause problems in different areas of the pitch rather than last season and the year before where everything was up the left whether that was through Caroma or 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 Carl and Grant um now they can hurt you from different angles they can find different ways to get through you know they had three quite different types of goals you know on on Tuesday night where one was sort of a, a passing move one was a set piece and one was a, a, a run in from the wing uh, and scored off the rebound and that's really encouraging to see really particularly after the Stoke game where they did lack a little bit of that invention they did struggle a little bit to get through and again that's not a strong criticism of town just because of of how good Stoke are at stopping teams from playing playing their own way and, and making things happen but I think that is a big source of encouragement for for the rest of the season. It is, and I, I think again, I wrote something else I wrote about Josh Caroma is you you've got to find ways to to get him into those pockets of space that he likes. We know he can do it with Campbell, but Campbell can't play forty games a year. Ward likes to come into those pockets of space himself. He likes to drop into those spaces, try and affect play, and then get on the end of the move. And Town don't play that way, which is. 
I, I think we've got to have a separate conversation about Danny Ward, really. But that's that's why I th- I think it may be time to to look at the striking situation and, and make a change there, because Corona is still massively Town's goal threat. I mean, he's taken nineteen shots this season today, and that's ten more than anybody else in the in the side. Do you know who's second with nine? Would it be Matty it Pearson? It is Matty Pearson. So, <laughs> yeah, top scorer. you know, Karoma is still massively the goal threat and, and the person you've got to sort of work the system around to get on the ball more. And I don't particularly believe, you know, I finished I finished the, the piece by saying I don't actually believe you should change an entire system just to accommodate one player. But I think sometimes you have to make an exception. And when you look at the fact that, Karoma had most shots of anybody in the town team last year and he only started 19 games and he had 60 shots I think only Bakuna came close with something like 58 Mm -hmm. and that was when Karoma had missed half the season yeah and Campbell had played 40 games and he'd got I think 53 shots something like that again I'm doing it off my head so forgive me if that's wrong you have to find a way to get Karoma into it and I think we've We've all gladly been swept along in the Sorba Thomas hype, and he's still just an utterly brilliant player to watch. But it's easy to forget that we haven't really seen the best of Josh Karoma yet, and getting the best out of Josh Karoma can only make town a better side going forward. So, yeah, I'm hoping that that second-half performance from from Karoma is, is a sort of little springboard to getting somewhere near his best again, because... Town have a, a, a reasonably good run of games coming up over an extended yeah. period of time and it would be lovely to see that Karoma at this point last season because this was the point uh, in sort of September and October where he was really looked he looked different gravy for a few weeks didn't he yeah funnily enough it was an away trip to Swansea which is Town's game after next mm. um, where he got that first goal of the season and then he was pretty well unstoppable bar that injury after that so yeah I mean as I say it's it's not that he's been playing badly by by any means but it's we know that that we can get more out of him that we can see more out of him and, and hopefully we, we can see that but I mean it's we really are sort of <laughs> at this stage we're kind of nitpicking a bit because and this is why we've sort of gone a lot more tactical because it's it's almost hard to talk about when when things are good because you don't want to get too carried away but I mean it's it's four wins in five for town now you know they've had those big wins big score lines against Blackpool big score line against Reading they've had two games where they've dug out wins against Preston and Sheffield United and they're finding different ways to win. I, I think we should. We'll, we'll talk about the striker situation in a bit, but I think we do need to ha- give proper credit to, to Carlos Corbrand because let's be honest, we had certainly I had reached a point where I'd pretty much written him off in in the middle of August. We'd had that eight month bad spell, uh, that extended run of games where Town just couldn't get anything going, and I think they. I know we talked a lot about the injury problems. I still think they should have got more out of those games than they did, even, yeah. even with those injury problems. But they've won more games in the last five than they did in the previous 19. At, at the, sorry, in the previous 26 even at this point uh, in the league. And I think we have seen a little bit more of what Corbran is about and a little bit more of how his style can can benefit the team and how 
how bought into it everyone is because the other thing is that you know when we spoke to phil hodgkinson something else we'll talk about in a bit um you know he talked about the the sense of togetherness and the sense of the the massive uplifting mood that's been around canal side over the past few months and i think when you when you've every season you hear that let's be honest (laughs) you know it's yeah. it's the last recourse of a chairman writing his his notes for a program who doesn't know what else to say is to talk about the spirit and you always take that kind of thing with a pinch of salt but I think you, when you see sort of the reaction to Jonathan Hogg's goal yeah um, you can see that that really is true and when you you know you can see it when you're watching the warm up you can see it with the way the players are in press conferences everyone is very relaxed everyone is very no one is sort of we've not had a press conference with a player yet where we've had someone who's completely on their guard and trying not to talk about stuff everyone is more than happy to talk about you know what they've been working on without going into detail and giving away um, trade secrets what they've been working on the training pitch what Carlos wants them on training and I think that speaks of a, a happy group of players that they they want to talk about those things um, and that is again that that always comes from the top and you have to give Carlos Corbrand credit for that and 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 you know picking the right game plans and picking the right moments to add new things to the game i think he's learned a lot over the past sort of 12 months and we're starting to see that yeah i um i've given him props in a couple of pieces actually um because i th- i think uh, i i think given up is is a strong word but i think that the way town season collapsed last year was worrying and at the risk of repeating myself i'm with you not only did it collapse and people say oh injury crisis and all that sort of thing but i i don't think they got enough out of the players they had i i maintain that first 11 was not as bad as they finished um and i know people disagree with that but i just i think you have to look at how many of those players would have got into other championship sides and like it or not it's most of them (laughs) so we we came into this season and I don't think we sort of judged anything on the Derby game because Derby were pretty... Uh, it, it's They're a weird team to play Derby because they're fighting for their lives. They've got a, a horrible set of circumstances. And to be honest with you, first day of the season, completely the wrong time to play them. You want to play them 10 or 12 games in when they realise they've got to do this another 30-odd times. Um, so it was a tough game that but then after the Fulham game me and you were both uh, again I wouldn't say given up by any stretch because we hadn't but we were both worried because there were so many things in that Fulham game that just felt like echoes of last season that it was Mm. yeah it was it was a worry and I think the whole season has turned on the 74th minute of the Preston game because that Preston game was not good by by any stretch But Sepp Vandenberg scores that own goal and it was like a weight had been lifted off town because two minutes later, I think I think it was possibly O'Brien put the cross that went across goal and was just missed. Then Sorba Thomas hit the post. Josh Caroma went close with another try. It was, it was like the darkness had lifted in one goal. And then I think the Sheffield United game, we said it on here, we were both impressed because there was a plan there. And plans don't always come off, but they'd sort of executed it almost perfectly. And then they follow that up with a a really, a a game we were both sort of really enthused about having watched that EFL Cup tie. And it's rare to come out of an EFL Cup tie that sort of infused, but we were both buzzing. We both said that's 
that yeah. most we'd enjoyed watching town for ages and they they take that confidence and that performance into the reading game and that really is is where we are now you know the they can write the Stoke loss off and just bounce back. And it is credit to the manager. There's a few things he's been forced into, like COVID, by his own admission, forced him into the three at the back, which suits this squad better anyway. But I think he's just, for me, Steve, I think he's more proactive this season. I think last season there was an awful lot of bouncing around the technical area that fans didn't see because they were in the ground. There was an awful lot of shouting, but there wasn't actually an awful lot of change there wasn't a lot in game of moving things about and when when there were changes me and you often looked at each other and sort of went I, I don't get what he's trying to do here this season the changes seem to be far more effective there seems to be more he seems to be so much more comfortable with this squad after the mm. recruitment and so much happier with his options that yeah that that year in extremely weird circumstances of experience in this division has given him a fairly unique platform to build on from this year and he's 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 benefit from it you know long may it continue because as i said he's a project manager he's not an instant uplift manager he's not someone you sort of parachute in to to do things straight away we're in the second year of the project if he can get them into mid-table and have a safe drama-free season, this squad is already the basis of of a fairly decent one to to mm-hmm. have a push over the next couple of years. So, yeah, it's been really encouraging to, to see him to this point. And, I mean, all we can really say is long may it continue, Steve. Yeah, I, I think the main sort of... The main difference, I think, in town this year compared with last year is they just... They're so much calmer in everything that mm. they do. Um, and that's not to say that they lack urgency, um, but they... So, for instance, when we spoke, I spoke to Carlos after the Batpool game, and he said that they they could see what was happening in the first half, but they felt that if you sometimes if you try and fix things too soon, it throws you out of joint. Yeah. And he felt that it was better to get to the break and and then try those changes there rather than throw the whole team off their balance and have it backfire if you tried to do it too soon. And I think that sort of speaks volumes I, I do wonder if last year he might have been you know too keen to try and make things happen but I think they've reached a point I think town know when they're comfortable now mm-hmm. I think is the main difference but like whether you're talking about in attack or in defense or from the dugout people are making calmer decisions you know we we've not it was interesting watching sort of the Blackpool footage when I was doing sort of my scouting report for my talking points for that game because it was like oh yeah this is what town used to defend like <laughs> like just a few months ago just constantly you could make them you can make Blackpool scramble you know you can cause them to panic and we've apart from the Fulham game we've really not seen town panicking in defense that's not to say they've been completely flawless as we saw against Stoke but those have been little moments of concentration and switching off from individuals rather than the whole team getting caught in you know chasing the Mm -hmm. ball or everyone going after the same man or or whatever you know we saw bits of it against Fulham but other than that they've they've kept it out of their game and you know the when you look at the goal times as well this season the earliest they've scored is the 39th minute but they've been able to they've not gone into the second half thinking oh god this isn't going mm-hmm. our way we're, we're not going to get a goal there they are in in fact it's quite the opposite they're going into the second half and 
games going okay well we've not done too badly we've not been great but if we if we can find a gear change then we'll probably get something here and that's you know that's exactly what they've done and once once they do hit that stride as we've seen against Reading and Blackpool they they can uh they can make things happen it was just and that's why i think the stoke game is even more of a shame because i completely echo carlos corbrand's analysis of that which is if they had just hung on and kept their lead for five minutes after going ahead they probably would have won that game yeah um so it's um i think it's what's what's quite interesting for me is you were saying about the blackpool game it was interesting when he said he didn't want to make the changes too early because I think you've got to look at how quickly things are changing with Carlos Corran because me and you watched that Preston game and at half time we had a conversation that we felt there'd been what three formations in the first half mm. and three sort of big tactical switches and none of them had worked or really affected the game in any way. So I think it's interesting that we are like just a shade under a month on from that and now Carlos Corran is saying he didn't want to make the changes early and I think it's so easy to forget that this is Carlos Corran's second season in the championship I know he's had brief spells elsewhere but it's it's not the same the championship is one of the steepest learning curves in football and if you don't believe me I'll fight you um but <laughs> the it, it's interesting that last season he got a really good grounding about playing championship football and playing championship sides. And then this season, everything has changed again. <laughs> because fans coming back and football feeling like it's got more of a consequence again has made a big difference to a lot of sides, a lot of sides for better mm-hmm. and for worse. So it's interesting to me anyway, as a sort of analyst, watching and looking at the changes which are happening sort of in real time right now. And I keep looking at Town's fixtures and Town's form and without getting carried away or anything like that, I'm sitting here now going, okay, well, you've got to look at what the differences are. One of the big things for me, Steve, is they play Nottingham Forest on Saturday. We sit here recording two hours after Chris Hewton has been sacked. We don't know if they're going to bring someone in. There's rumours about Steve Cooper, Eddie Howe, Chris Wilder, but it's not going to be in time for that game. And if it is, they'll likely be stand, sitting in the stand watching rather than affecting it. Mm. When was the last time, hand on heart, me and you could sit here for a home or away game and say town are favourites for this and should win? Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's a long time. <laughs> it's a long, long time. I would argue possibly four seasons. Because nobody in the first season of the Premier League was sat there going, yeah, we should win this game. <laughs> We should win this game. Yeah, and I'm sat here now oh, looking at that and thinking, yeah, do you know what? It, it it brings its own pressure. Don't get me wrong, but this is the first time I've genuinely sat here and thought, yeah, do you know what? Town should win that game. They are favourites to win that game. I, th- I think we've definitely had so games like Wickham at home last season, for instance, where we thought they should win that, but have but also there was thought... there was always a little layer of scepticism yeah, on both of our parts. Exactly. Whereas now, genuinely. And I think you're sort of moving towards this as well. You look at Town's run of fixtures now. Forest at home, Swansea away, Blackburn at home, Luton away, and Hull at home. And it's it's until you get to sort of Birmingham at home and then Black Bournemouth away. Those next five games, you think, actually, they, they, they should be trying to win all of those games. Yes. Like, there's no reason they can't go for the win in all of those games. And again, that's not the same as saying they are going to go and get no. 15 points from those no, five that's games. Not what we're saying, yeah. 
but you would fancy them to get three wins from those five games, maybe. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's always easy to look at a fixture list and say, this is an easy run, this is a bad run, because we sat here two months ago saying, actually, they've got a tough start to the season, and then the way it's panned out, they've actually ended up, as we talked about, playing a lot of teams at the right time. So things can change very quickly but that is again just speaks to how things have changed and how the mood has changed that we're now looking at a fixture list and going actually they can win all of the next five are winnable Mm. like i genuinely i don't know when it probably was the promotion season the last time town fans were able to look at a fixture list and think that. yeah and i think it's important to just reiterate we are not saying they're going to go and win (laughs) every single game but the difference is now you feel like they could. And hand on heart, yeah, exactly. it's not felt like that for, for such a long time. That I mean, you even you even look at that away game at Bournemouth in October and you think, well, they're probably not going to win that. But I don't feel like they're going to lose 5-0 like they did last year and pick mm. a weird 11 out the blue <laughs> and everybody's going to have a stinker. And that's that's the difference, really. And again, just long may it continue, because this is far more fun. (laughs) And football is supposed to be fun. And life is supposed to be about fun. It's supposed to be a release. And for so long, it hasn't felt like that with Huddersfield Town. But I think you just have to revel in where they are right now. And the wheels will come off in a few games, Steve. I think we both think that because of the way they set up, because good teams are going to spot how high Thomas plays, for instance, and put a man behind there, and there's going to be various other things they do. But it doesn't matter if they react. You know, if if they lose, if they lose to Bournemouth, say they say the wheels come off and they do a Fulham and they lose five one to Bournemouth, well, they've got Millwall at home and then Peterborough away, and that's two really good games to put things right and do exactly what they did against Blackpool which is bounce back mm. so yeah it's it's just nice to feel slightly encouraged by town and and yeah it's not about suddenly massively shifting your expectation and demanding they finish in the playoffs or anything like that but it's just about feeling like they can win games of football and it's been a long time mm. well this is yeah i mean this is it i mean every team has a wobble at some point in the season in this division you know i'm looking back at the the 16 17 season and there's a, a run there in sort of october through to beginning of december where they won one out of eight games um, so every team is going to have those wobbles. I think this is this is the big thing now is that even if they do have another Fulham type performance, or even if they do inevitably have results like they did against Stoke, you still go into the next game feeling like, well, they'll be fine. They're not going to go on a mm. ten game losing streak because they've just lost one game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we keep saying we're not getting ahead of ourselves and everything like that. You know, they are in the playoff places at the moment. They're sixth uh, after the Wednesday night games and you know I think people be obviously it's it's fans right to dream that's the whole point of this thing is that you want to be able to dream about is this our season can't we have a go here our job though Dave you and I is to to sort of try and keep a bit more of a um a realistic head on things as much as we can I I genuinely uh, the the problem is is that it's so hard to get a level of what the rest of the division is about mm-hmm. because 
it's a weird league this year. Everyone is is taking points off each other. There's not been, you know, there's not been, for all we've talked about, Fulham being, you know, Fulham and West Brom being a different gravy um, and, and maybe Bournemouth in there as well. They are still only two points ahead of, you know, Huddersfield and Stoke and three ahead of QPR. It's a very compact league table at this stage. Um, and Forest are the only team that sort of look a little bit adrift at the moment. It's it's very tight division and it's, it's quite difficult difficult as a result and because we've played those teams on the right days to get a, a, an idea of where the level is mm-hmm. this season weirdly um so i think that's as much a, a, a cause of our caution as as anything else because it is the league is still a bit of an unknown quantity at this stage it is it is and that's why as i said ambitions really are i i, I keep saying mid-table but anywhere in mid-table but the I think more than anything, just sort of a lack of drama more than anything else. It, it would be yeah. nice if me and you were scratching around struggling for things to talk about in March, if I'm honest, rather mm. than this constant looking at the next three games, looking at other people's results, uh, trying to work out all these various scenarios. And I think Derby certainly look like they're going to get the points deduction, so I think they're going to struggle. I think Forest, depending who they get, are probably going to pull themselves out of it but I think Peterborough and Blackpool look to me to be sort of not destined definitely to go down but they're certainly going to be in that shake up at the bottom apart from that like you say it's a very very open league it's very very difficult to say who's going to be where West Brom, Fulham and Bournemouth, as I said, are likely going to compete for the top three. So, yeah, it's it's difficult to know what the level is. It really is. And I just I just think as long as... I know, again, I know I keep saying it, but as long as there's a bit of fun along the way, as long as Town can, can have the odd Reading and the odd Blackpool performance in December and January, as well as doing it now, I think that's absolutely fine, really. And I think there are sides that... Like Hull are trying to be really, really compact and really tight and trying not to lose games, but they keep losing games because it's not easy to do mm. it in the championship. Blackpool beat Fulham on Saturday. It, it's mm. it's a difficult league. It's it's a crazy league. It's a bear pit. Town just need to sort of keep ploughing their own little furrow, really, and just literally taking it from game to game. I think the thing they can do, I think the thing the start has earned more than anything else is the right to play teams where they are in the table so you look at Forest as a bottom three side play them like they're a bottom three side get on the front foot attack and go for them whereas last season Town had to approach the last three months really from the point of view of okay we need to try not to lose this game regardless of who the opposition was Um, and I think as long as you've got that right to play teams where they are in the table you just enjoy it enjoy it and enjoy the football yeah Phil Hodgkinson says he's enjoying himself for the first time since he took over the club two years ago we we had an extensive interview with him in conjunction with with Radio Leeds last week I'm sure you'll have all read that Um, it it was uh, an interesting interview as always Dave Phil's always um, very open about stuff very unguarded about stuff and he said before that is his his approach is you know I will I will tell you what's going on and you can like it or not but you can't say I've not been open about it and what did you make that interview overall um I I think you've summed it up I think there's a few things that I've (laughs) I've always adopted a philosophy that if something hasn't happened why mention it 
So talking about transfer deals that haven't happened for whatever reason, etc. I I would probably just have not have mentioned them if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, but I think the most interesting stuff for me was a lot of the longer st- longer term stuff around the stadium and mm. the the plans to turn it into a conference centre and have the hotel etc. I think that is quite revealing because it shows somebody who um, wants to sort of safeguard the long-term future of the club and believes that's the way to do it. I think it's not quite as simple as that and there's a fair way to go, but I'm very, very pleased that somebody is looking that way. And it's not just a case of, okay, we may get the stadium from KSL, what do we do with it now? (laughs) It's... So I, I like that stuff. Again, I think he says a lot. Um, you know, I've, I think he's just a very enthusiastic presence when things are going right. And I think that's absolutely fine. You know, if you, if you to be frank, take the crap, you should be allowed to enjoy the cream. <laughs> that's that's my philosophy, really. Um but I th- I thought it was good. I thought it was a I thought it was a good interview. I think it's admittedly the right time to do it while the, while the time's good. But I thought it was a good interview where he said a lot of good things. Um, but yeah, I would have I think I would have just kept a couple of things back and just said nothing. But that's just not not his way, is it? That's not his personality. I will say without blowing smoke up your bum, I think you and Catherine did a really really good job of asking the right questions as well because. He he does like to expand on things, and he does tell you probably more than any press officer, shall we say, would like him to. Maybe um, it's just his character, it's just his nature, it's just how he how he does things. And I think you and Catherine managed to get the questions in, and then the follow up questions absolutely spot on, um, so that you covered so much ground. It was it was yeah, it was a long old long old interview to read through, but uh, it never felt at any point like he was it was just a load of waffle no I, I i think you're right i think the particularly about me doing a good job no i mean i think you're right about the you're opening yourself up i think it's good to be open and i think a lot of the i mean it seems to have gone down really well obviously phil will always have his his naysayers but um and you know he's not done everything perfectly let's be honest um he would admit but, that i think as well at this point yeah yeah I think I think the the risk you run when you are so open about stuff is that if results do turn and we you know yeah. we both just said we think there will be a bad run at some point this season every team has it um people will be bringing back up oh we should have signed Tommy Doyle or we should have taken the money for Lewis O'Brien or whatever it might have been, you know whatever it might be I think the stadium as well he's you can tell that is I mean his is talking to him about the stadium was like talking to Carlos about tactics he mm. just sort of his his eyes lit up you can tell that is that getting that stadium sorted out is is a big passion for for Phil Hodgkinson and um I think with any construction project uh there are always going to be risks of setbacks and unforeseen you know red tape or whatever he was very enthusiastic about you know and I even asked him you know is there any chance you might have to compromise on things or scale back the project and and he said not that you know not that we can see um I think probably that kind of 
unstoppable positivity and drive to get things done is probably why he's got where he's got in life um but it does leave the door open in from a pr point of view perhaps but fingers crossed everything goes goes well with that because it sounds like what they've got planned is 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 certainly yeah. a lot further along than i thought it was it's it's people have to understand it's a long-term thing as well this is not like you <laughs> It's very difficult to put timescales on stuff like this because so much of it is out of your control in terms of permissions mm-hmm. and planning and financing and various other things that I think that I think ultimately when you say it when you say it out loud as he has you're almost doing it on the sort of belief that no one's going to come to you in 12 months and say why hasn't it happened and unfortunately life's mm. not like that you know there will be people we saw it with canal side didn't yeah we? um you, you there will be people who immediately assume that the next time they go down they're going to see jcbs in the car park these things can take time but like you said i think what was encouraging is that it, it feels like Phil Hodgkinson's legacy project, doesn't it? It feels like yeah, the thing he sees is his way of safeguarding the future of the club. And I think that's where having a fan in charge of the football club is so evident. I think that's where you that's where you see it because a you know a, a dead behind the eyes businessman <laughs> doesn't look for the angle unless it benefits them somehow so i think you have to say okay all right well we'll give you we'll give you the time let's see what happens with that um but yeah no i thought it was i thought it was a good interview as i said i thought you and Catherine did really really well with it and yeah i just i just hope that the next one he gives is in the same circumstances really yeah i mean he he was saying he was happier it was evident he was much happier um you know the 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 weight of the world wasn't on him um Mm. so much as it was last year and um you know obviously it was a, a a different interview to prepare for to last year it was much more sort of financial administrative rather than what went wrong here what went wrong here what went wrong here as it as it was you know can you understand why the fans are upset as it was last year so um I think those are those are the kinds of interviews you want to be doing with your chairman is more sort of routine check-in rather than yeah. <laughs> crisis why are we so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Huddersfield Town have the momentum of an unstoppable freight train. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. what makes you so popular? Um, so we've got Forrest at the weekend. They, as you mentioned, they've sacked your favourite boy, Chris Hutton. Uh, it hasn't worked out for him at Forrest, to be fair. Um, does that change anything for the weekend for Town, do you think? Or is it, <sighs> you yeah, carry on course? I, I, I don't think it changes much at all, really, because... Like the analysts in 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 town's analyst department can't plan for a caretaker manager or what they're going to do. They can only really have to focus and go and do what you're good at. And I think Chris Hutton is not the problem at Forest, if I'm honest. Um, I know they've had a couple of League Cup games, but they've used 35 players this season, and they're still members of the first team squad that have yet to make an appearance. They are a very. There's a. We speak to a Forest fan regularly, and they are fairly shambolic behind the scenes. And I think ultimately this season feels like a little bit chickens have come home to roost. If I'm brutally honest, whether it was Chris Hutton or somebody else that I was in love with, I think they'd have struggled. So 
again, Town have earned the right just to play them where they are in the table. They're a bottom three side, they're struggling, they're likely to have a caretaker in. Just go out and do all the things they've been doing that have worked. And I think the big question for me is the the Josh Caroma thing, um, because I just... I don't, I don't want this to come across as a criticism of Danny Ward, okay? And I wrote a, I got a comment from somebody on one of the pieces I wrote yesterday, um, saying that it was it was disrespectful to assume that all town fans only thought emotionally about Ward, and it was actually analytical where the problem was. I I don't I I disagree with that really because I think a lot of town fans have written off Danny Ward and I think our point is that the problem with Danny Ward at the moment is it's not necessarily his fault that he doesn't fit in the system that town have been forced into but is really really working for them that's not his fault he's he has the shirt for the minute but I just I'd really like to see Karoma Odebeku and uh, Sinani as a front three because that strikes me as a really interesting proposition particularly when you throw in Toffolo and Thomas out wide either side as well that that's a front three that does lots of different things Sonani gives you a bit of the unknown Adebeku is is he's going to give you a lot more pace he's more of a pure striker he's going to want to work shooting positions and to be frank, he's good on either foot and he can drift, so that's going to provide the space that Karoma wants to come inside and those little pockets outside the area that he loves. And I think against Forest, you could there is an argument to say, well, maybe that's the way to play. Maybe let's set out this game from minute one as we're going to be the ones who ask all the questions here. We've we've earned the right to do that. So I think that's the main question for me, if I'm honest. Do do you hook Ward out? And, and give me mm. his first start, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I, I agree. I think a lot of Ward's sort of, like, more subdued performances have been not his fault. They've been when he's been isolated in that front two. Um, he, he's he's a difficult player to analyse because, as you say, he's, he's constantly doing that thing where he's coming to the halfway line, laying it off, and then charging back towards goal to get in the box. And, unfortunately for him, Town's game is more about working shooting chances for Josh Caroma and yeah. and uh and Danel Sinani and Silver Thomas than it is for looking for the centre forward. Um you know, on the penalty spot ready to put it in the net. I mean he is he's helping create chances, Danny Ward, you know, he's there's only O'Brien and Silver Thomas that have created more shooting chances for, for teammates on a per ninety minutes basis uh so far this season than Danny Ward. But at the same time, you know, he's you know, he's had the same number of shots per game as um as Levi Colwell. Mm. So, you know, it's um I, I don't I don't know if it, I think describing it as a problem would probably be a bit strong because you know the the results yeah. are there they're scoring goals you know it's I I always think we you centre forward it, it's fine to have an enabler as long as other people are scoring goals but I think obviously you want to have a striker who can do both you know um i think i summed it up steve as i said it's not uh, it danny ward's performances at the moment are not all his fault because it's to do with the system around him but he should also be making an awful lot more of the chances he does get because they're so few and far between so when he does get the ball or where he gets even in a position to lay it off or pass it he's gotta he's gotta be better (laughs) he's gotta be better because there's no denying he gives the ball away quite a lot as well and i think that's because everything he does is under stress really (laughs) 
it's it's very hard as a striker when yeah you know 60% of the balls you receive are from 30 yards away and you're competing with two defenders to try and bring it down and do something with it and you've got no one within 15 feet of you but the opportunities he gets when it's not like that he really has got to do more than he's doing right now which which isn't enough and this is kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, with your rotation options, you want to get the players that you bring into the squad up to up to the same level as the first 11. I think I think he and Dwayne Holmes uh, as well, they've both, I think they look like players who are well aware of what the fans think of them. And are maybe, particularly Holmes against Stoke, was just trying too hard sometimes. Yeah. I think... Yep. you know a little a little bit of that um, Giannino Bacuna syndrome where you just need to keep things simpler sometimes and you don't need to be I, I think almost that Swansea performance for Dwayne Holmes was the worst thing that could have happened to him because he had that sort of superhero performance just mm-hmm. completely out the blue and since then it's it's looked like he's trying to sort of get that again he was really good against Everton it's worth saying Dwayne yeah, Holmes yeah he was um, he was but but um, yeah I think you know there's I think there is a little bit of a, a gap when you think about bringing in players like and this is not you know a, a slight on those players but um Alex Vallejo or um you know Ollie Turton or Dwayne Holmes Danny Ward the or Fraser Cap all the strikers really um where you feel like they can do better and they are going to grow into the season, but we also need to see them do that. Um, just just to feel a bit more comfortable for those games where you've got a three-game week and you do make two or three changes or even more changes than that, just to feel like it's not throwing in the towel to pick those players. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a way to go before we're completely there, but it's not a million miles off. It's, it's not a major issue, I wouldn't say, at this stage. No, no. No, but I, I, I just think, I think particularly when you're trying to find those ways to get Coroma firing, I think there's enough yeah, evidence yeah. that Coroma and Ward together don't work. Even they like Coroma and Campbell played 21 minutes together against Sheffield United, mm. and Coroma scored, and he had that other chance where he drifted inside and had the shot from just outside the box, and he just looked so much more comfortable. And as I said, I'm not all about changing an entire system just to accommodate one player, but I think when Josh Caroma offers you so much, if that's the change you need to make, then I, I think you have to bite the bullet and make it. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, right, fantastic. Right, uh, Dave, where can people get you on the Twitters? Uh, uh, at David Hartrick, which is H-A-R-T-R-I-C-K, not Hattrick. Lovely. As several people uh, call me. I'm at Stephen Chicken. We are at Examiner H-T-A-F-C as well. Uh Give us a like on Facebook to make sure you get all your news. Sign up to the newsletter as well. Uh, you'll get your daily digest of town headlines into your inbox every day. Uh, that's what daily means. <laughs> and we will see you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh.